Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Outgrows Marketer of the Month. I'm your host, Dr. Saksham Sharda. I'm the creative director at Outgrow.co. And for this month, we're going to interview Anka Jordanesco, who is the VP of Engineering Stores of the Future at Inca Digital IKEA. Thanks for joining us, Anka. Nice meeting you. Thank you for inviting me. So, Anka, we're going to start with a rapid-fire round just to break the ice. You get three passes. In case you don't want to answer the question, you can just say pass. But uh, try to keep your answers to one word or one sentence only, okay? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, the first one is, at what age do you want to retire? Oh, never. I don't want to retire from learning and being curious. (laughs) How long does it take you to get ready in the mornings? Uh, very quick. Very quick. Most embarrassing moment of your life? Uh, Falling down on the stage. <laughs> Favorite color? Green. What time of day are you most inspired? Mornings. How many hours of sleep can you survive on? Many hours of sleep. I like to sleep. <laughs> Fill in the blank. An upcoming technology trend is blank. Uh, Liquid AI. The city in which the best kiss of your life happened. Manchester. Pick one. Elon Musk or Mark Zuckerberg. None of them. (laughs) The biggest mistake of your career. Uh, many small mistakes <laughs> all the time. How do you relax? Uh, classical music or calling my mom. How many cups of coffee do you drink per day? Too many. <laughs> <laughs> A habit of yours that you hate? Um, oh, 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 oh. Drinking too much coffee. <laughs> <laughs> the most valuable skill you've learned in life? Being genuine, kind. Your favorite Netflix show? I don't watch Netflix. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, One word description of your leadership style. Leadership, it's a network, not a hierarchy. Mm, Top priority in your daily schedule? Uh, To get most of the things done quickly so I can focus to my dreams. Ideal vacation spot for relaxation. Uh, Top of the mountains, uh, an empty beach uh, together with my family or my husband. Key factor for maintaining a work-life balance. Being very structured and fast. A memorable career milestone. Uh, when I start coding my first time. Okay. Well, that's the end of the rapid fire. You did very well. No passes. So that was great. What is liquid AI? Tell us more about liquid AI. Oh, liquid AI. It's a new It's a new AI where uh, actually instead of, it's compared to generative AI or deterministic AI where you are based on, on static data, the a liquid, a liquid AI is based on time series and can predict the next... Uh, Protect, uh, the text movement on the next happening based on the time series. 
and I find it very interesting. It's a lot of, uh, it's a, like in the beginning and actually I'm learning and about it. And I want to understand how can we use it in a clever way and what can be done with it. Hmm. That's really interesting. Okay. So let's go on to your career in general. Uh, so you've held key leadership positions in various sectors uh, from telecom to digital transformation and now as VP of engineering at IKEA. How have these diverse experiences shaped your perspective on technology's role in shaping the future? And I, if everyone is asked when and someone is asking me about my career, and I would say I'm a technologist. My, my if I have to look down deep down into my heart, it's like I'm so curious about technologies. I'm so, I, I'm always looking to learn more and uh, to discover things, and that started uh, again through my life. Uh, and just to give an example, my career I didn't start it as a developer. I started as teaching at university. That's how I started. And uh, it just happened that someone said, do you want to try to work as a software developer at the company? And I said, ah, why not? I, you know, go, going from a very theoretical way into hands-on, it was always interesting to see how can I apply. And I ended up to be at Ericsson. I had no clue at that time about telecommunication, except that, you know, at that time that there was the first mobile phones appearing, I didn't know anything. And that's when actually I got in love with the hardware and software because I, I we were taken to do some training and I started to learn how to write code. Of course, I knew how to do code, but to write devices, switches code and actually how to put the code on a PCBs and how to mount a switch. And then you could see the whole thing working. You can see that you can make a phone call and then you or, you know, your hands-on are there. So I just got impressive I would say that was my first aha moment and I felt in love. And then, you know, different technology came through my hand uh, from uh, GPRS on mobile phones, even, you know, working with others to discover new technologies, making the first Wi-Fi, the first Bluetooth, the first GPS, uh, the first uh, display touch phone. And so, so this kind of, kind of just grow in me. So while I was working in telecom, they opened my, I would say my curiosity for learning more. And that's what shaped me. Uh, because as a leader, I'm always a leader that is not only about leadership, I'm also uh, dreaming about innovation, how we bring innovation into our life in any sector I'm working. Yeah. And so is there any particular instance that comes to mind, a particular project from your career that really significantly influenced and made you think about your approach to integrating technology for all future development? Anything memorable that comes to mind? And I have, I would say now, since you're asking the fire, fire, fire questions about my biggest mistake, one of the things that I, in a way, I see it as a big mistake, but also as a, a big learning. Uh, again, many, many years ago, I was part of the team discovering what we call the generic access network. This was the first type of voice over IP. So we were kind of the first inventors of the voice over IP using at the time GPRS technology and a small box uh, which was enabled with the Bluetooth. Uh, and we be really believe into that. That was something that we said, yeah, that will be, you know, people can do handovers, they come home, that you don't, it was the internet, you know, voice over internet. Um, and then there was, we, we were really preaching about Bluetooth. There was another company that said, yeah, you maybe we should use Wi-Fi in the phones. And we were laughing saying, Wi-Fi in the phones. Now think about many years ago. 
it's generating so much heat, you will never be able to have a phone by your ear because it will just burn your ear. Anyway, so we really, really was, we were believing in Bluetooth and I have been really, we have been trying to sell this idea. We went a lot of so operators, mobile operators in France, in Denmark, in Sweden to, in, to buy the technology, almost there, but it didn't really fly. It, we have been failed because again, Wi-Fi is coming, the technology, the market was not ready. But actually what we've learned, we have put the first actually seeds of voice over internet. So we have been thinking of that. And that was many, many years before, you know, you see, uh, you know, WhatsApp, Zoom, whatever today on the phone happening. So that was kind of the big failure. I'm going to say mistake, but the big failure while the big learning to move forward. Mm. And and this entire transition now, a lot of companies that were manufacturing mobile phones don't even manufacture them anymore. How have you must have seen this change happen firsthand at a lot of companies? How do you feel about that? Well, I, I think in a way very painful because uh, being in this telecom world where you kind of build, you know, there was a very, I would say, uh, an, an atmosphere where a lot of creativity is happening and uh, big dreams and uh, to to make to see that you know when apple came I, I i can remember no one believed that you know apple will take over in such a big and then like sony sony ericsson sony mobile at that time was a third in the in the market and then immediately declined because we didn't really have foreseen the future in the right way we didn't really look at the customer needs and no matter what to say that Actually, at the time, Sony Ericsson had the first touch phone. We had it. We had it in our hands. It was lots of failures. We didn't work properly, but we had it. But we didn't know how to use that opportunity at that time. So it was a little bit of the being a strategic, being way to understand the customer needs, being in the, knowing how to marketing things. We were, you know, and probably also a big, very technology people. We talk about you know, people that know technology, they don't really think about, but how, what about customer? Are customer really always interested in technology or more into what they can do with the technology? That's another big, big mistake, seeing how the things are going down. And then for me, was very sad because I really liked that area and I really wanted us to, at least since I'm part of Sweden, where we have done this, really was to see the decline was not uh, very happy. Lots of people working there kind of you know, had to move to another and to bring their creativity to others' uh, industries. So speaking of these kind of predictions and being able to predict where the market will go in the future, your work at IKEA involves creating stores of the future. Mm -hmm. Now, can you share some insights into the technological innovations or strategies you're implementing to revolutionize retail experience? Yeah. And uh, also, so IKEA's blue boxes, everyone knows the IKEA blue boxes. Uh, and uh, we are famous for the way we make our customer to shop. What we have actually forgotten a little bit was uh, technology in the store. So you can see that IKEA stores are not very highly technologists in any of it. Still, you don't have a specific, for example, if I take customers, we don't have an app that it's really fitted for the store environment to show location, to can discover the product, to tell the story about the product. We call it contextual storytelling, to, to help you to understand your projects that, because we know that customers start their journey at home 
looking, searching for things and then connecting and they come to see and get inspired in the store. So we kind of lost all this kind of creating the visit at the store as a peak moment. So if I take the whole customer view of the store, what we are trying to do is kind of how are we going to meet our customer in a better way in the store? And we start with diff with all the channels because we talk about being an omni-channel retailer. We talk about, you know, you come with the app and you want to understand exactly what's my project, what are how can I find faster, what is inspiration, what are the marketing, what are the you know offers when I enter, what is my closest store, how do I can quick and click and collect so all these things about convenience. Then we have the second one. It's about um, immersive experience. How do I get in the store and a different type of format? So we have, for example, we have the big boxes, but we have also small formats which are coming in the city center. There we, you cannot talk, uh, show the entire display, the entire uh, range. So how can you uh, use technology, immersive technology to be able to show the designs, the range, to let the customer to explore? So we have this is immersive. And then the third layer is really about for uh, the customers, they don't want to uh, come through uh, their app, how we offer personalized assistance in the store, in the, in the big boxes through our kiosks. And how can you again connect and transfer easily from phone, how you can uh, to, to, to kiosk and how can you check out, pay and so on. So that's one part of the of the dream. And the biggest one, of course, is about immersive. Uh, and what are we doing with that? The second, the second pillar, it's about coworkers. We know that the success for our customers, or they our customers say that they they see how they are successful in the store when the coworkers serve them better. Meaning we need to free up time for our coworkers to serve our customers. We need to remove all the tasks that are manual and that can be optimized to make sure that we can free up them to, to serve the customers. So looking again into automating the shop floor, looking into automating tasks that are manual, looking into offering to our coworkers an easy tool, mobile devices. With, if you see today, our coworkers are using a lot of tools. So simplifying the way they can access to our uh, to to our systems. So that is, and then uh, so that's the second one. And the third one is a little around the robotics into into the store to, for example, update automatic the the availability, for example, of the different products where the products are located. Uh, uh, you have different what we call. Um, design rooms, how you can actually, if I want to buy the, oh, everything is there, how do I get there and scan and go? Lots of things around, you know, shop floor automation. Mm. And to what extent are then data-driven insights playing a pivotal role in shaping these futuristic stores? Like how do you balance customer personalization with privacy concerns and data in this context? So if I take, a, uh, so again, a lot of data, data, it's all over the place. Uh, we are still struggling in, I would say, creating the right data object. We call it 360 object. So we have around customer of 360 data object, around store of 360 data object, around coworker. So um, if I take uh, uh, data about ca customers in the store, of course you can, um, anonymize a lot of data so you don't get into the privacy thing and 
And actually we are really working now into how to create a good digital twin of the store with different sales. So we have not really cracked the code. I know the digital twin technology is there, but is what we are looking at is more than just digital twin as such, but is what sensor, where do we put, how cameras, how can we actually create the digital reality of our store? So first we can understand what's happening in the store and get data. And that's the most important. Second, that's why I was talking about, you know, prediction and AI uh, is not only to predict what will happen in the next and how to, so we are able to, uh, to foresee the things and take actions in advance before happening, but also what we are looking into, for example, can we uh, use actually in a way AI digital twins to predict what should be the shape of the future of the store? What, how others have been organizing? Are we structured good enough? It's our, all our maze when you are going, it's really bringing the best out of our store and so on. So, but we are not yet there. So camera sensor is to collect data about the store and, and, and about customers. And then of course we have a lot of data about how customers are using our app. And of course, the moment you use your app, you have given your privacy uh, you know, acceptance to be, to be part of the, of the data. Um, or you don't, you, you can give your uh, consent or not. Uh, another thing actually we want to use, but that's just a, you know, a seed that I'm planting uh, to, we want to increase the usage of our app and in the same way also by collecting data. So people that are consenting to use our app, we want to use them, to their data to understand to how can we do better store setup, how can we meet better our customers. And when it comes to personnel, the people who are going to be working at these stores of the future, you've been actively engaged in programs promoting diversity and mentorship, particularly for women in tech. How important is it, do you think, to foster inclusivity and diversity within the tech industry? And how can organizations actively contribute to this cause? And this is a very dear topic to me because I'm the founder of Women in Tech Alliance. Uh, and as a founder, we have a mission and our mission is uh, to actually have 1 million women to join and thrive in technology in Europe by 2030. I think it's a very bold goal. I probably will be very hard. We are just at the beginning. Uh, so as Women in Tech Alliance, we are connecting individuals, nonprofit organization or companies, uh, private sector, public sector, academia, trying to create this environment where women can join and thrive. And we see a lot of women struggling to get and also get accepted into the industry. Uh, why I think this is so important is like, I've, I believe that innovation and uh, cannot happen without diversity. Uh, the base of any movement forwards, it's actually having a diversity. Uh, recognizing that different culture, different genders and not I'm not only talking women of course and now I have I'm around women because it's like I, I see like a first first step to be taken but we also addressing all all groups all, all not privileged groups and we welcome them to join us but I think without different cultures different backgrounds different genders we cannot foster innovation. This is so critical this is so important and different different opinions are so important. And I'm I'm really really promoting. I'm an ambassador, and every time I meet uh, managers, leaders in higher position, I am 
really advocating the need of creating a better organization uh, with a uh, you know inclusiveness at heart at IKEA we are still uh, we are 34% women in uh, technology still far from 50-50 but we are doing good compare but upper you go in the organization on higher level you see a silicon ceiling ceiling so i am really trying to get this mindset to change and to see more women coming to my level and even above my level uh, yeah you have an in yeah go ahead you were saying no we have many i would say if you ask me what activities we are doing we do have a lot of networking a lot of mentorship a lot of uh, podcast uh, sharing a lot of personal branding um uh, education for women uh, from uh, technology education but also to how to write your cv uh, also education for company how to create how should you create your own uh, your diverse uh, organization um, so on this is this is the events we are organizing and so do you have any interesting memory or a success story or an instance that comes to your mind around fostering diversity that led to some benefits or an innovative solution uh, that normally wasn't expected, but but everyone was kind of surprised with uh, the result or any memory. It doesn't have to be like a success story, but anything interesting that caught your attention because of the diversity promotion. Uh, just... Uh... I'm thinking, um, of course, um, um, I think from from an IKEA perspective, now I, I I'm trying to see if to, to put it in the context. Again, when we look at our customers and also actually more on our coworkers, we want to we want to create this kind of innovative or the experience. So we make it easy for everyone, even the people with disabilities, to use our tools. Uh and um uh, how we got more, more, um, out, more, more from outside view on how should we do it? We have actually met with our colleagues that uh, they had in the team one of the person which had some disability, and they they started to share how they see from their side how our tools how our tools are are uh, really supporting their disability, and we understand we are far away from uh, from being inclusive and and looking to all. So with that in mind, we have started to adopt it. We are still not 100% ready. That's why it was, I didn't want to present it as a success story, but we are very aware about the needs. We want to understand from their perspective and we want to put everything when we design any tool, inclusiveness and uh, equality, diversity in, in, in our design. A little bit fluffy, but uh, that's how we learn it. Just listening you know, to our coworkers that have issues and integrate and make them happening in our in our environment. I mean, it is still work in progress. So I guess we'll see the results in a slow manner over yeah. time. Yeah, Yeah, maybe again about slow. You have to think IKEA has approximately 500 stores. So rolling out a solution across the globe, it's something slow. So we are pretty slow in seeing the impact immediately because it's not about one store it's about many stores and it's uh, it takes a lot of effort to see all over the globe so speaking of transformation then digital transformation has been a key focus of your career what are the primary challenges you've encountered when spearheading such large-scale changes and how do you navigate these challenges effectively yeah 
I think um, the biggest and the biggest challenge is um, it's actually the mindset of the overall company. Um, it's not usually the technology people, the digital people are uh, very well anchored in the technology. They see where the trends are going and uh, they dream about how to move it. Uh, to get that going, you need a full buy-in from entire company uh, and acceptance. And uh, to be recognized that, again, we are heading this transformation. So mindset and acceptance and uh, probably understanding that this is a very difficult transformation and that it will go worse before we'll get better. So being, uh, you know, resilient into driving that transformation, having patience, but also don't giving up on the big dreams. If you, a, a transformation by such requires to make a change, to create, to be disruptive in a way. So if you just think like one year ahead, you don't really make a change. You need to really think about five years ahead, 10 years ahead even, where do you want to go? What is the new business model? What will happen? Why you need to transform digital? How technology will, will support the transformation? What will be the role of retail? And why do we need to change? So that's kind of when you set it up. And then when you go into the transformation, again, resilience, because it's very tough. It's like we say changing the airplane engine while you are flying. Um, it is uh, a lot of feelings. So you, you need to let go as an organization, many things you have done in the past. And then sometimes there are, as, as at any change, there are promoters, there are people that are keeping you back. There are some that want to move forward. So again, caring for the people, mindset shift, and, you know, being able to speak up where you want to go and bring your passion into people so they can follow you. And how do you manage resistance to change within teams, organizations, uh, what are the best approaches you'd have to recommend to other tech leaders? Yeah. So it's all about communication, I think. And that's all I said. It's about pa passion and uh, making the change together because resistance will be there. I think also it's important to find the ones that are uh, willing to move ahead and actually change is like the trenders, you know, it's one going ahead, like a wolf <laughs> alone going ahead. And then you, the first followers are coming and then the whole wolf pack will, will move, but it's a really talking and talk and communicating and explaining and really about it. I think it's very important repeatedly communicate where you want to go. There will be always people that will not want to follow. There will be always some, people that they think that this is not to them. And then there are uh, two ways of doing them. Either you accept that and then you minimize, you know, you, how the impact on the organization, or you have a very open dialogue explaining and changing, or you actually take them with you, trying to take you with them with you. Some you'll never be able to, to do any of this. So you have to let go. Uh, and there will be personal choices that some people need to make uh, if they are going to support the change for or, or not. 
Um, but I would say most of the, you know, if you are good in communicating your vision, if you are good to show the step, if you include the most of the team into the change, so you don't do like an exclusive change, you do a change where people see the benefit, they see what they can learn, they see what is in it for, for me, what's in it for me. Um, most, it, it's, a, it's pretty successful. Again, 80%, you know, like in software, we do 80% good, not 100%. <laughs> mm. And so speaking of how rapidly change happens in the industry, especially in tech, uh, and, and, you know, the pace is so fast around, how do you yourself uh, keep in track of all the latest trends and things happening? Are you subscribed to some newsletters? Where do you get your information from? And here... Uh... Unfortunately, I'm a, I'm pretty hectic myself. <laughs> of course, uh, um, I I like to read and I'm curious, but I'm not very structured into that. Meaning, I uh, of of course I read news. I look at uh, even in LinkedIn that sometimes they are so interesting. You know, people are just linking things, and I just get oh, I read about it, and then I go and read more. Um, uh, but also I'm I'm attending as a speaker lots of conferences and just being there and listening to other speakers and going around, you know, and see the things that I, I always come with a bigger map of a lot of leaflets and I read about. But also, uh, for example, uh, I take courses. Again, not as, as with the frequency I want, but when I feel like I, if I want really to move forward some things, I always say that you need to be very well technically prepared. You cannot do things if you don't know what you're talking about. So I'm taking courses. I'm starting uh, really pushing myself because I don't have a lot of time in the world and I'm doing many things, but I really, really want to take more courses, um, especially in the technology, like learning about what's coming, what's cooking. Uh, and then, um, yeah, talking to people. What I have also learned, I I like to get around me a lot of very clever engineers, uh, which just inspire me with their ideas, so we can brainstorm more different things. So it's it's it's, it's a lot of palette, but the, I think it's more about being curious, and then things you'll just it will just open to you. Is that how you learned about liquid AI? <laughs> yeah, actually, that's what I, yeah, 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 actually, I'm looking for a new, we were look, talking about new idea, and then I started with something, and then he said, no, 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 this is not a good idea, read about that, and I said, what is this liquid AI? And then they say, I said, I, I Google quickly, and they said, it's an AI doing music generation, is that what you're talking about? No, 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 go and read, and then I got links, and then I start reading, and Okay, and then already now I have an idea what, how can we do it? So it's like it's connecting. And then I'm really curious to learn more about it. <laughs> so you've been recognized for your contributions as a top woman in tech and as a digital transformation leader. What advice would you give to aspiring leaders in the tech space, especially to those aiming to break barriers and creating meaningful change? I think uh, if you want to create minimal change, you need to find your allies. Uh, then you have to create a little bit of awareness around your visibility. Because in order to get friends and allies, you have to get out of your comfort zone and look outside. But the biggest advice I give it actually to be very, I would say, altruistic or I, I always say kind. 
I, I feel like for me, this is kind of the biggest reward in everything I'm doing when I'm trying to support women or others to, to, to progress in the career or to kind of solve the problem they have um, is to be kind and looking from their perspective. And that's the advice I have. And probably the last advice is to be positive and optimistic. I would say perseverant optimist. Things will change. It's still far away. You know, if you look at the statistics, uh, they say about 80 years to get gender equality in the tech in Europe or something like that. So it's still a long, a long pathway. But we are just adding to that. And uh, there will be a tipping point sometime. So perseverance, optimist, be kind, look for your allies and be visible. And any advice then for all the opposite of all this, when there's no perseverance, no optimism, someone faces burnout, have you ever had this kind of an experience where you were close to a certain kind of frustration or boredom or burnout or stress? Uh, yeah, that's a very difficult moment. Um, I, I have I have never really, to be honest, I'm happy. <laughs> I, I never been really burned out, but I have mm. I have many times when I have been really stressed or I have been really frustrated. Most of the time, frustration. So of course we are all different, and we we will we will react to how our body. I think listen to your body, uh, listen to your body, and also think that uh, you know put all the things into perspective. The, especially when you are frustrated at work, uh, when you are all burned out because of the work, you need to think that, again, maybe your life is bigger than that. Also, find someone to talk to, find a friend. As I, I joke with you in the beginning, I call my mom. She doesn't really understand all the things I'm take, talking to her, but I, I can let the frustration out. Uh, so find someone that can be genuine, good, and listen to what you are talking. Uh, take time to find your balance. You know, if you need to take vacation, take vacation. Be a little bit selfish at that time. Be selfish and say this is the most important is for to be kind with me, and really have time to to you know to recover. And again, a job is a job. It's about you. It's about your experience. It's about uh, the place you have in the world. And always, I'm saying when the door is closing, uh, on window it's opening. So things will become better. Yeah. So again, mm -hmm. be positive. Things will change to back to, to good, but you just need to have patience. But mm -hmm. take, take care of yourself. All right. Well, that's definitely some wise advice, but uh, let's go on to another question about AI, back to liquid AI and AI again. So the convergence of AI, IoT, and data analytics is shaping various industries. Could you elaborate on how these technologies are transferring the retail sector and what potential benefits or challenges they bring to the table? I think in general, if I take generative AI, generative AI will, will change in all industries from a perspective of optimization. What I think the generative AI will, will, do, will ask, help us to do things that we are doing today in a certain amount of time with at least 50% improvements. This will kind of bring speed in everything we are doing. So definitely we will see an optimization in uh, a generalized optimization across many, many industries. Uh, then also generative AI will, will help you to connect data better, to create a better, uh, again, um, uh, to, to spot 
different uh, misalignments in the data to create strategy. Again, providing new suggestions, like as I told you about the uh, AI digital tools, what will be probably a better setup for the future for the store, or um, again, uh, everywhere in every sector, optimization will be big. Also, I foresee that um, from a work workforce perspective, now if I take it workforce wise, uh, many manual work, um, things that uh, you know have been taking lots of time before will be replaced. So I see actually that more specialized workforce uh, and more engineers going to actually invent or control the AI than just doing the things that they are doing today. We already have a lot of co-pilots. Again, how you write code maybe will change in the coming years. Maybe the engineers should actually be reviewing the code that uh, an AI co-pilot will do it, but still we need this competence. So I'm not saying that engineers, software engineers will disappear, but they will have to look in a different way on how they are writing the code. They have to be the one actually controlling, inventing the new technologies more than just doing it. Um, that will be the generative AI. And of course, if I just look from a productivity thing, just to someone to to do my presentations, uh, you know, very fast. These these things will just happen now. I think that this will be a big impact. And then the rest of the AI, yeah, that uh, that's um, you know, I would say, future should tell how how this will. But I I really foresee that. For me, as like internet, I would say that if I have to look at three big steps will be internet will be mobile devices and i think this is now the third one will be ai and uh, that's a lot of discussion today on you know how ai will impact what is the ethic around again i don't know yet where where we are landing i don't know there are lots of discussion actually i will have myself an interview with a lady she's talking about ai and ethics and we start talking about general AI and what is the impact of the general AI. And then we start talking about, do we really want a general AI? Do we need someone to do everything at home and we are just doing at home in general to do our task? I, I would say future has to say, I, I have not yet made, I, I'm a dreamer. I believe that there will be big things, but I don't know yet what will be the change. You see, there are lots of tryings all over the place, but what we know for now, has been already a big move and you, you see the speed from i don't know how many we, we do we have half a year since the first gpt is out and look where we are today look at the speed that things have happened um yeah and some will not be good so again uh, let's see let's see where we end so what critical skills or qualities do you think will be necessary for the next generation of tech leaders to process to possess uh, with AI and everything here already? I would say learn fast, learn fast, unlearn, and adapt. And I think ad adapt to the new world. Honestly, I think that the will be maybe not five years, but 10 years from now, I really see think that the whole workforce, the whole work, uh, that will be a big change. Um, so we need to be able to adapt to that new situation, how that will, what that will mean, what will be our role in the, we as the developers. I also believe, for example, that, and this is like, again, my beliefs, that everything will be in the future software. Probably everything else will be just a commodity, which will be, I, I just give an example, uh, maybe furniture now, again, 
every every preferential will cost the same one dollar and actually people will pay for the software to generate that thing it, it will be big things coming uh, 10 15 years from now and maybe even faster uh, but again learning learning be curious uh, don't stop don't stay in the past we cannot change and don't oppose you know don't oppose the future uh, another thing that uh, now now since you triggered a little bit me with the ai um and with the learning one thing that i am um, i'm doing right now or i'm starting right now uh i am uh, questioning a lot about how we are teaching students today at universities uh and um I have two boys and both of them are studying at university in the first years. And of course, they get to write things and then they go immediately to judge GPT and get their, you know, essay written very fast. What universities are saying today is actually don't use ChatGPT. And there is a lot of focus from university to detect the fraud, meaning to detect that they have used it. So students are mostly spending time to, uh, to, to cover that they have used ChatGPT. So what I'm actually starting now with two, two universities, one in Lund and one in Malmö, is actually to do the opposite. What if we say, okay, AI is the tool of the future. Generative AI is here to stay. Let's adopt it. It's like, like use your calculator to do maths, you know, multiplying, adding. But most of the people are not using their pen and paper. They use already calculator. So just say, you actually go home and use chat gpt use generative ai but then when you are coming in uh, to present your things let's get a little bit analog let's have a discussion about what you have learned let's see how what have you interpreted all the data let's see if you have done correctly because not everything is coming from chat gpt is correct now let's see if you have crossed the reference uh, the, all the sources and let's see what and then so actually i'm, I'm we are starting in this from january kind of two pilots one class which is not using ai as a tool and one is using and two in these two universities and we want to understand you know we measure if actually the group which is using chat gpt and in the new way of learning they have learned more and then the learning curve is deeper and compared to the others which is more superficial and that's what one outcome we believe we happen and the second outcome is that actually since again chat gpt Generative AI will introduce a lot of optimization. Can we actually increase the volume of learning? Meaning, instead of doing two essays per termine, can we do five? Now, again, we, that needs to be proved. But can we increase the volume? Can we actually expose them? And is the brain able to capture more? So actually, we can increase the, the brain. So that will be actually I'm very excited because I found two professors at these universities to, start, to go with me with this study. And this is also part with the Women in Tech Alliance, so, uh, because then we want to take this in schools. We also, with the Alliance, with Women in Tech Alliance, we focus a lot of future generation, how we can create the future technologies, not only women, but in general. We see that schools are less and less prepared for universities. They study less mathematics, physics, chemistry. And uh, I feel, and, you know, it's a, my duty, a, my mission to support this to grow the level at school so we can have good students so they can actually are prepared you ask me about ai to for the what is coming yeah what do you think the future of universities will be like now that theses can be produced with chat gpt how is academia itself going to change since you have been an academic but that's what i told you that's exactly what we do if we use mm. 
uh, we we allow ChatGPT to do the thesis, but mm -hmm. actually the most important is not what is written, it's the dialogue. Mm -hmm. And I think that is the change. What about a real debate in the school without ChatGPT? Just mm -hmm. talking from your brain, what did you understand? Having pros and cons, having you know different opinions, build on top of that. I think that's kind of, because JGPT is good in summarizing mm. and collecting data, but it's not good in being creative. So creativity, it's still something that we as human, we should do it. And that's what I want our students to, to do it. Can you actually use to optimize your learning and not spending like, I don't know, months in the library, but you can spend, a, I don't know, two, three weeks. I, I'm now in TV, but actually when you learn things, you understood things and you can put in the perspective that's i that's i think that would be the future and that's what mm. i'm trying to prove <laughs> all right so the last question for you is of a personal kind what would you be doing in your life if not this Ooh. uh if not this actually to to my dream before is because i started doing mathematics because i was good at it but my dream was to write a book <laughs> mm. was to be a writer um so probably i would have uh, if i will bored again maybe i will look to see can i be a writer uh, but i think a writer has to you know ha i have a I've, i had a nice life in a way a very you know rewarding nice i you, you need to have like a little bit of a drama to be able to to come with a very nice book i also have high standards but probably writing a book <laughs> or or actually playing piano two things ah Okay. Okay. That would be two kind very of, different things. Yeah, yeah. But actually, uh, another again, when I was very little, my mom wanted to me to study violin, and I usually I was a, I was listening to my parents that time. I said I don't like violin. I want to play piano, and my parents didn't want to buy me at that time a piano. They couldn't afford it at that time, so they really wanted me to go to violin. And I always I wanted to play piano. Now maybe. Uh -huh. <laughs> writing a book and play piano <laughs> very different from mathematics <laughs> well hopefully you get to do both <laughs> well, you know, it's, never, it's never too late to start your adventure it's never too late life. to start <laughs> <laughs> yeah. all right well thanks everyone for joining us for this month's episode of outcrow's technologist of the month that was anka ionescu who is the vp of engineering stores of the future at inca ikea thanks for joining us anka thank you nice meeting you again Check out their website for more details and we'll see you next month once again with another Marketer of the Month.